0: Welcome to Part 3 of Election and Predestination. If you haven't heard Part 1 and 2, we encourage you to go back so that you can get context for Part 3. <laughs> um, part 3, Dino will mostly be covering um, Isaac and Ishmael and what they represent in Romans Chapter 9. Um, it's very enlightening. Um, enjoy! Start out by talking about uh, Isaac and Ishmael because basically that is the foundation for the... Uh, topic of Jacob and Esau. And basically, if you look in Romans 9 verses um, 7 through um, basically 17, we have three examples that Paul gets us, gives us. Now, in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, Peter writes about how Paul writes things that are very hard to understand, that the unstable and the untrained distort to their own imaginations. And uh, the book of Romans is probably, outside of the book of Revelation, the hardest book in the Bible to understand. And the reason why is because, I believe, is that we kind of rush through it just like we rush through many things in the Bible. A lot of times our our Bible study becomes something that is uh, uh, more out of routine, more out of tradition, something that we do, something that we feel we have to do or whatever. And so we're studying Perhaps just to get our Bible reading and done for that day, or or uh, to appease our consciences, or or what have you. Or a lot of us don't even, you know, study things that are difficult, and we we just go to church and and let our 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 preachers tell us what the book means, and and instead of studying it for ourselves and showing ourselves to be Bereans. And so the book of Romans, as I was saying, is probably one of the most difficult books of the bible to understand but i think that um if you if we take it slowly if we take it verse by verse and 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 and, it, and it's really important guys when you're studying scriptures when you come to a reference from the old testament go back to the old testament to see what they were saying in that reference When you do that, it will give you understanding of what you're reading in the New Testament. And what happens is so many times is we just, we read over those Old Testament references and we just kind of, you know, they're like a speed bump. You know, it might slow us down for a second, but it, you know, it doesn't get us to stop and pause and, and to go back and take a look. And so, therefore, again, we don't. Um, truly get understanding of what we're studying because we're not taking the time to dig. We're not taking the time. And that uh, that's the thing, God, uh, that, that's the thing, guys, the Lord, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal truth to us. That is what the main, or, or that is one of his main functions in the body of Christ is to teach us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, right? And so the Holy Spirit longs to guide us. He longs, and you know, we, we have it so backwards in the church today. We think the Holy Spirit is here just to give us goosebumps and, and, uh, you know, make us prophesy and, and lay hands on sick and do all kinds of miracles. And so the Holy Spirit is all about miracles and walking on water and walking through walls and doing great things in the name of the Lord rather than the fact that primarily The Holy Spirit is our guide who wants to instruct us in the ways of God and teach us the Word of God and again i'm I'm not coming against the gifts of the spirit or or any of anything like that. I believe in the gifts of the spirit, but I'm saying more than anything and that's the problem in the church, especially the charismatic part of the church, is that we're led by feelings we're led by well, the spirit moved me here or the spirit moved me there and uh, there are so many people, especially in the charismatic church, that are filled with the holy spirit and manifestations and things like that but don't know their don't don't know the bible at all um all they know is the verses that they've been taught by you know other charismatics and and the things that lead to you know miracles and and things like that rather than soaking deep in the word of god and getting to know who our father is Okay, and that's just a side issue. But again, so uh when we look through Romans nine, we see three examples. And those examples are Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, and Pharaoh and the Israelites. Now in all three examples you, you see a couple things going on. Um number one you see um you see the older one which in in the case of Isaac and Ishmael is Ishmael you see Jacob and Esau Jacob and Pharaoh and the Israelites Pharaoh the older one or the more dominant one is subjugating the younger one okay and you see you we're going to see two things through these verses number 1 god god's calling on the younger one okay god choosing sovereignly this, the younger one to do his will. And then on the other side of that, the flip side of that, you'll see the reaction of the older one or the one that was in power. Now that he's not in the one that's in charge, now that he's not the one that's on top, he begins to persecute the younger one. And that's essentially the underlying premise of these these three examples, okay? And uh we we're going to break that down a little bit. We're go- we're going to go through these and and look at them. But again, I, I just want to kind of remind us a little bit uh if if you haven't heard the f- the first two messages that we've done on these on on this topic, I strongly urge you to go back and listen to those before you listen to this one because if you don't listen to those, you I doubt very seriously that you're going to understand this, okay, because those, again, are foundational to our understanding of the rest of the book of uh, of the chapter of Romans 9. And again, Romans 9, 10, and 11 are one whole thought, okay, really, uh, while while the meat of it is in chapter 9. There's also st- things in ver- uh, chapter ten and chapter eleven that add to and and further show what um, chapter nine is all about. And again, in reference to to um, predestination and election, what we've been seeing and what we're going to continue to see that uh, because again, Romans nine and Ephesians one are bas- basically the bedrock, foundational chapters that that uh, Calvinists used. Um, to say that God has chosen individuals before the foundation of the world, before anyone was ever created, God chose who was going to be saved, who was not going to be saved, and as we 're looking at it we 're seeing that that is not at all the case, okay uh, the book uh, in in Romans chapter nine is talking about people groups. Groups of people that God was using to display His glory in. We all know that in the Old Testament, God used the Israelites to show forth His glory among all the nations. Okay? Now, when we come to the New Testament, everything is changing. When Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again from the grave, He changed everything. And so, we're going to see how that, that was happening and has continued to happen. So in Romans nine, verse six. Now, uh, before we talk about that, I, I just wanted to kind of paint this word picture for you, if I could, because um, like just imagine, if you will, say say for instance, like you were born. In the ro- in a royal family, okay. Doesn't matter whether it's England or whatever, but England kind of gives us our best kind of picture of it because that's the one that we're most familiar with. But say you were born into the fa- royal family, uh, you were the the oldest son, um, uh, and I think that in this case, uh, England is a good picture because in in England they haven't had a son. Um, For a long time. We all know that Queen Elizabeth is the ruler in charge, even though they actually don't have any power. Queen Elizabeth is the figurehead. And there's no king because there was not a king. You know, there wasn't a son born to be the heir. Well, now um, there is a son born. uh, William, I think is his name. And at some point he will become the king of England. OK, because he is the oldest son and he is in the line of succession to become king. So imagine you were a that person. Imagine you were a person born into a royal family. You are next in line to be king. You're just waiting for the time. You're, you're just waking, waiting for the proper time. For the the succession to be given over and the ceremonies and all that, and blah, 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 this person is now the king. Okay, um, and you are that guy. You you are you are you're just waiting. Okay, um, but say say the queen adopts someone else into the family. Okay, you're an only child, right? But the queen uh, either has another, you know again this is just an example has a a son or whatever or or adopt someone else to be a son into the family or whatever and as soon as that person is adopted into the family she elevates them above you now this person you had known this person before this person was your your worst enemy this is someone that you hated someone that you despised this is someone that that uh Think of like someone that doesn't work for a living. He just, he mooches off of everybody. He, he doesn't do, he doesn't pull his own weight. Has, you know, has never worked a day in his life and, and doesn't deserve anything. Right. But the queen adopts this person and makes him not only a part of the family, but she chooses him above you to be next in line to be the king. And imagine if this happened and again, this is your worst enemy. This is someone that you despise. This is someone that you have no respect for whatsoever. As a matter of fact, you look down on them and, and, um, you, you, you just, again, you just despise them and stuff. And so the queen elevates this person above you and says, this is going to be be the next king. And she crowns him, does all the ceremonies, you know, and makes him the king over you. What would your reaction would be to this person? You would probably be very upset. And this is where we are in Romans nine. Okay. And again, you can read the, the whole book of Romans. And, and, you know, again, if you listen to some of the, me- the other messages that we've done on this, it's, it's quite clear. Okay. Um, Jesus, basically, um, the Jews uh, and the ones especially that aren't receiving Jesus as their Messiah. And Jesus is coming and saying, you know what? The temple is going to be done away with. The temple ceremonies are going to be done away with because there is a better sacrifice here. And these Gentiles that you've always hated, that you've always looked down on, that you wanted nothing to do with, you wouldn't even let these people into your house. You would not eat with them. You would not fellowship with them. You would not be seen in public with them. And now, all of a sudden, they are accepted, along with Jewish believers, into the body of, of Christ. And they are given as much worth as you are. So again, this is, this is essentially what's happening. And uh, a lot of Jewish people are very upset at this. And um, so again, in Romans 9, verse 6. It says but it's not as though the word of god has failed and again we talked about it last time we'll talk about it a little bit this time it's always been in the word of god this whole thing about um the the jewish religion being replaced with christianity um again people call it replacement theology it's not replacement theology it's fulfillment theology these are all things that were prophesied in the old testament abraham would be the father of many sons and all this kind of stuff And Jesus, even when he talked about, I have many other sheep that you don't know about that will be brought into the fold and things of that nature and stuff, these were all in the mind and the heart of God, and it's what he had intended to happen in the first place. Now, here, we need to understand clearly what we're saying, okay? We're not saying that Jewish Christians were not included. We're not saying that at all. But Judaism was being done away with. Okay, the temple. You you read all about it in the book of Hebrews. The temple sacrifices, the the uh, priesthood, all that kind of stuff was going away, and many people were having problems with that. Okay, and that is where we are in the book of Romans. Um, And again, um, there God does not see it any different. He doesn't see any difference whatsoever between Jewish believers and Gentile believers. If anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, okay? But Judaism has been done away with. The temple sacrifices, sacrificing bulls and goats to please God has been done away with by a better sacrifice that will never be improved. There will never there will never be something better than that, okay? So there is no going back to that, okay? So Romans nine verse six again, but it is not as though the Word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, and we talked about that a lot last time, so it says, nor are they all children because of a- because they're abraham 's descendants, but through Isaac your descendants will be n- named that is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants um It says in verse 9, For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. Okay, um, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 21 because he's talking about Isaac and Ishmael. And again, we're going to see the three examples. Genesis 21 in verse 1. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God, has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have born a son in his old age? The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Now, Sarah saw the son of Hagar. Now, you remember the story how God had promised Abraham and Sarah, a son, and they, like, okay, well, we're tired of waiting. We're going to do it ourselves. And they jumped the gun and had Ishmael. Okay? Ishmael was about 14 years older than Isaac. So, Isaac is being weaned, and, you know, the age for weaning is, what, one, two, three years old, something like that. And so, Isaac would, or Ishmael would have been 13 or 14 or whatever and stuff. It's... um. It says, okay, and so verse nine, it says, Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian whom she she had born to Abraham mocking. And so again, look at look at what Ishmael's doing. He's mocking Isaac, okay? And again, we're gonna see that this is a motif throughout the old testament about how um God blessed the younger instead of the the elders and the elders mocked, remember um uh, Jake or Joseph and his brothers, right when Joseph had his dreams and he told his brother he, he told the dream to his parents and he said your the parents were going to bow down to him, and then the brothers were going to bow down to him, what did the brothers do? They persecuted him right they they threw him into a well and then they sold him to um Sold him to strangers and, and dipped his, his coat in blood and said to his father that a, a, a lion had eaten him and things. And so this is something, that, a thread that runs all throughout the Bible. okay um, verse, uh, verse 9 again. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of the maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. Look at this in verse 11. It says, The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. Abraham loved Ishmael. Okay? It's not as though, you know, Abraham had two sons and he hated Ishmael and he loved Isaac. Abraham loved Ishmael and wanted the best for him. Okay? Verse 12 but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her for listen to this for through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. So again, God from the very beginning through Abraham told him, I'm, you're going to have a son. Abraham had several sons, right? But God was saying through this son will be the line of succession through which uh, eventually the Messiah will come. Okay. And so, um, but he's saying, but don't be, don't be afraid, don't be worried about Ishmael, because I'm going to take care of him also. But he is not going to be blessed in this way. In this way, God had a plan, he had a purpose, and this is what he was devising to do. Verse 13, and the son of the maid, I will make a nation also, because he is your descendant. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar putting them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away. And so God basically sends sends them away, okay? Um but well let's go ahead and read the rest of the story because we're going to see that again God cared for them too. God God's not like I just hate them and you know I want to get rid of them. Um it says, uh, so verse 14, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered around in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went out and sat down opposite him about a bowshot away. For she said, do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. Look at this in verse 17. God heard the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Arise, lift up the boy, and hold him by hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water, and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness. Look, verse twenty: God was with the boy, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness, and he became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So again, God loved Ishmael, and He blessed him, and He watched over him. Okay. So again, it's not as though he hated Ishmael, but he had something in mind, and that was through the line of jesus uh, through the line of Abraham would be David, Josiah, Jesus, all this line would come, the Messiah would come through the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Turn to Galatians three. In Galatians three, we're still talking about Abraham, uh, Isaac and Ishmael. Galatians three, verse nine. Because again, well, we we see that you know God, you know Ishmael and was cast out of the family. But it, again, it wasn't as though God hated him. God still blessed him, washed over him, and took care of him. In Galatians three, verse one. It says, you foolish Galatians. Now, remember in the book of Galatians, what was happening? Um, Galatia was a Gentile place and uh, lots of Gentiles were being saved. But then you had Judaizers who were coming out after them and saying, OK, it's OK to be saved. But you also got to obey the temple rituals, the services, the sacrifices, circumcision, all this other thing. And Paul said, no, no. And again, there are people today who want us to do all those things. They want us to observe Passover and the Sabbaths and all, you know, and, and things like that. The book of Galatians, and again, several books in the New Testament, plainly, plainly, plainly say, no, you do not have to do that. And you are not a better Christian if you do that. You're not a better Christian if you don't do that. If you want to observe, if you want to do a Passover, you know, I would like to do a Passover meal just for this, you know, to kind of observe and see what was going on and how they did it and stuff like that. But I, as a believer, am under no obligation whatsoever by God to do any of that. And Jewish Christians are not any better whatsoever than Gentile Christians or vice versa. Okay, we're not anti-Semitic. A Jewish believer is my brother as much as any other person is. And Paul said, I pray for my brothers after the flesh, the Jewish believer, the Jewish people who did not receive Jesus as their Messiah. Okay, so God loves them. Okay, that's not the point. The point is, I don't have to observe those things because all those things have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Okay, and so all those things were Old Testament types and shadows of the better thing that was to come in and be fulfilled in Jesus. And there are people that want us to go back to the types and the shadows when we have the substance and we are not required to do that. Okay, Galatians three, verse one, you foolish Galatians, who 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 has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith and again the works of the law weren't the the obedience loving god with all your heart soul mind and strength and your neighbors yourself it was the circumcision and the the you know uh festivals and sacrifices and stuff like that Verse three, are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? So then does he who provides you with the spirit and works miracles among you, um, among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Do you see that? So he's contrasting these works um the cleaning the outside of the cup and the tassels on your in the prayer shawls and all these things that you had to do to be fastidious jews did you did you receive salvation by that two th- thousands of years of Judaism they never received salvation through those things. How was Abraham saved? He was saved through faith, not through the works of the law. Verse 5 again, so then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So he was saved by faith, right? Therefore, be sure that it is those who are faith who are the sons of Abraham. And this is the whole thing that they're saying in Romans. That's the thing that Jesus was saying. That's the thing that's all over the New Testament. You are not saved by being a Jew and keeping temple sacrifices and all these other things. You are saved by faith. Okay? God is doing away with all the temple stuff. He's doing away with all the ceremonial stuff. And faith is the only thing that will last. Faith is the only thing that will stand. Belief in Jesus as your Messiah is the only thing that can save you. Verse 8 The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And again, this is the thing in Romans 9 that these guys are upset about. We were the special people. We were the chosen ones. Why are you letting in these these raggedy, disgusting Gentiles? And this is what Paul is doing in Romans 9. He is giving a justification for God and why God is doing this and why he is allowing this. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand. What's beforehand? In the New Old Testament, right? Again, this was always there. This was always the plan, the mind, the heart of God is to include everyone in salvation. Not just a few people, but that it would be available to all who would call upon the name of the Lord. He says, So then you who are of the faith of of are so sorry, so then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things, by everything written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations, even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and your seed, that is Christ. So again, uh, there was a seed, a single seed, but it was to include everyone. Everyone in the world, God so loved the world that he gave his son. God so loved the whole world that he sent his son. But that seed is in Christ. Remember, being chosen is being in Christ because he is the chosen one. And if you come to him and and you are accepted in the beloved, you are a part of the chosen, because he is the chosen one, and all who are in him are chosen. all who are outside of Jesus are not chosen. He says what I am saying, verse seventeen is this, the law which came 430 years later after Abraham does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. Look in verse 18, for if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on promise, but God has granted to Abraham by means of a promise. You see that? Um, Turn to another place in... Oh, uh, look at Galatians three, verse twenty-six. He says, "Now again, he's writing these to Gentile Gentile believers." In verse twenty-six, he says, "For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus." Now again, this is not universalism. He's not saying everybody in the whole world is sons of God. Everybody, you don't, you know, everybody's uh, going to go to heaven. Everyone's going to be saved. He says he's saying this to Galatian believers. You are you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, female, for you are all one in Christ. Do you see that? There are no special Christians. You're not a special Christian if you're born in Jerusalem. You're not a special Christian if you're born a male. He says, you're all one in Christ. He says in verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, listen to this, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs, according to the promise. You see that? It's very simple. It's very simple. The scripture is is in the word of God. Okay, look, turn to chapter four of Galatians, verse 21. Now, we saw that um, we saw in, in in Genesis that that uh, Isaac was the child of promise, right? And Ishmael was the son of the flesh. And we're going to see some things about the flesh and the promise in Galatians twenty one, or I mean, sorry, in Galatians chapter four, verse twenty one. He says, Tell me, you who want to be under law, do you listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. Now, you have to think of this in context with Romans 9. He's talking about Ishmael and Isaac. Okay, And he's contrasting them in about how Ishmael um, was cast out the bondwoman and her son, and, uh, and Isaac was, was blessed by God and used by God to, to express his covenant throughout the earth. It says, for it is written in verse 22 that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman, the slave woman, and one by the free woman. But the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh, and the son of the free woman through the promise. This is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Okay, so it's saying that uh, you got two covenants going on, the one with, uh, that involved Hagar and the one that involved Ishmael. And these two children, these two people represented two covenants. And in verse 25, he says, now this Hagar is, listen to this, guys, listen to the words of this. Now, he talked about two covenants, one under Hagar and Ishmael, which was the flesh, and the other covenant, which was Isaac, which was of the promise. Look at this in verse 25. Now, this Hagar, in other words, the flesh and everything of the flesh, is Mount Sinai in Arabia. Where did God give the law? Mount Sinai, right? Look at these. Think about these next words. And he says, that covenant corresponds to the present Jerusalem. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that the Jews who were considered themselves to be the chosen people of God, the special people of God, the 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 ones that God would, you know, if you were a Jew, you were once a Jew, always a Jew. Just like Calvinists are like, well, once you're a Christian, you're always a Christian. There's nothing that can ever change that. The Jews were the same way and they were angry at Paul. And they, again... Um, these are the types of things that would get you killed by saying and stuff. And Paul is coming to them and saying, you are no longer the special chosen people of God because you have rejected your Messiah. And he's saying, now you're not Ishmael anymore. You are not sons of Abraham anymore. Now, or I mean, now you're not Isaac. You are not sons of Abraham. But now you are. Jews who have rejected your Messiah are Ishmael. Do you see that? It's quite clear. Look at it again in verse 25. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. Verse 26, but the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. He's talking about Christianity there. Okay, verse 28, he says, And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as, look at this in verse 29, because again, we talked about the three examples in, in Romans 9 about how God overlooked them, chose the younger one, and so they begin to persecute the younger one. He says, And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit so it is also now now we'll look at this a little bit later but who was it that was persecuting the believers not the romans the romans only persecuted the church because the jews inspired them to right now later the romans took that ball and did very well with it on their own but it was the jews who inspired the romans to persecute the church He says, uh verse twenty nine again, but at that at as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So it is now also. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the bond woman and her son, for the son of the bond woman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bond woman, but of the free woman. And again. What was going to happen and what did in fact happen in AD 70 is the Romans came through Israel and through Jerusalem, totally wiped out Israel, not, I mean, there were certainly Israelis left alive and things like that, but they completely destroyed the temple, the temple service and everything that it had to do with. So that even now today, there can be no true Judaistic worship of God. And that's the way God planned it, because all of that stuff was types and shadows of the better that was to be revealed in Christ. And God will never, ever go back to that again. And if we believers want to try to go back to that, we are the people in Galatians that God says you're foolish and you're bewitched and you will wind up being destroyed. Because it's all a lie okay uh, so again uh, you know we saw in the case of Isaac and Ishmael that um the younger um and one thing that we want to see about this whole Isaac Ishmael thing because there are many people that are preaching this stuff turn back to Romans 9 while we're talking this stuff that are talking about Isaac and Ishmael and how Ishmael is is the um um the Palestinians and and the Muslims and and things like that and you know and so these things about Romans nine and where he's talking about uh, you know Isaac and Ishmael he's talking about uh, you know the Jews and the Palestinians that's not at all what he's talking about. If you look at Romans nine, verses six through nine in context, you see that he's talking about the Christians and the Jews, and that the Jewish people in the eyes of God had become the Ishmaelites, and the Christians. Were the people that the the people the sons of promise were the descendants of Isaac It's very plain, okay, Romans nine verse ten we're going to talk about Jacob and Esau he says and for this is the word of promise about this time, I will come, and Sarah will have a son, and not only this, in other words, he's tying these two things together. So he's saying, like, as just as this stuff that we were just talking about, there's also this, right? Not only Isaac and Ishmael, but also now Jacob and Esau. It says, not only this, but there was Rebekah also when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had done nothing, good or bad, so that God's purpose, according to his choice, would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her the older was served the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, and Esau I hated. Okay. So there there is and and that's the thing, that's that's the difficult thing with Romans. When you read like just those three or four scriptures that we read, there is so much that's involved in that. Okay? And again, we're gonna see two things. Number one, it was through God's sovereign choice. Now can God choose a line through which he's going to uh, send the Messiah? Yes. Can he choose a people in, through whom he's going to display his glory? Yes. Can he change that if he wants to? Yes, he can. And that's what Paul is saying. And that's what the Jews were upset about because, no, we're the chosen ones. And you're bringing in these upstarts. You're bringing in these people that we don't like. And we, we're mad about it and stuff. And You know, again, this was God's plan all along. Look in uh, um, like Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3. You'll see the genealogies that lead to Christ from Adam through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all the way through Christ. It was his plan through this line that he was going to bring Jesus. Now, thanks for listening, you guys. Um, Dean uh, got to cover today a lot about um, Isaac and Ishmael. Um, He's headed into Esau and Jacob, so if you come back next week, you'll get to hear the rest of this message as he goes into um, showing how the Isaac and Ishmael and Jacob and Esau tie together, so we look forward to um, you guys joining us next week. Thanks so much. Hope you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it.